0: If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40. This is quite a passage here today. I hope you appreciate the scriptures that we're going to be reading. Uh, To some degree, they're quite humbling. When we walk through this, you'll see why here in a moment. But the title of this message is, Our Great God. And we're going to look at the magnitude of our God and the things that He is declaring in this chapter. Uh, If anything, as I read this, I feel like I'm being shrunk down more and more. And maybe you'll get this feeling too, or if you read it this past week, maybe you had that feeling as you were walking through this passage of just this feeling of, I'm not very big, but He's pretty big. Okay, and I want to just start, before we get into this text, just to kind of um, help us with an illustration, to kind of see into the scripture, and um, maybe have an understanding of uh, where we're going today. But I'm going to just walk us back to when I was in high school, and I was a football player, loved football, that was a passion of mine, and um, I was an offensive lineman. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> And so I was a center. I was the guy who snapped the ball to the quarterback. So really, a play could not go unless I touched the ball. I mean, that's how important I was. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everybody elevates the quarterback. Well, he doesn't get the ball if it's not for the center on the line. Well, so one thing about being a center, you know, for me, offensive line, you don't have to completely pancake the guy in front of you. Really what it comes down to is I just need to be an obstacle between the guy that's trying to get the ball carrier and the ball carrier. As long as I can get in his way, I've done my job, okay? I don't have to drive him off 20 yards, but the reality of it is there's some big guys out there that can drive him out 20 yards and pancake him. And I had a guy next to me that played with me when I was a junior, he was a senior, and he... Could drive people out of there like nobody's business. Okay, um, They give awards away at the end of the season, whether it's all-conference, then there's another level like you're pretty good if you make all-conference. You're like one of the best of the best if you become all-state. And that's what he was. So I had this all-state offensive lineman right next to me And when you're a center and you're snapping the ball, you're trying to get to your guy and get in a good position. And so there's a lot of things happening in just a moment. When you move that ball, he's coming. you got to get a good angle. And so when a guy would line up right on you, they're called a nose guard. You're nose-to-nose with the guy that's in front of you. And I was not the greatest at accomplishing my role when I was lined up one-on-one with somebody, when I'd snap the ball. But if they lined up, they'd have a gap in front of you. You could get an angle on the guy on either side. So we had a call as an offensive line that I could use anytime that I feel I needed help. And let me tell you, I used it a lot. <laughs> but we'd line up, and if there was a guy over the ball, and I knew that I was going to have to go a one-on-one with him, we had a call that I could make And this all-state offensive lineman would just absolutely take care of business right in front of me. And all I would have to do is hike the ball and step around him and then go find somebody else. And I mean, I think it was something like if I called a state or if I called an odd number or if I called, uh, you know, an animal, we just knew he was going to take care of business. And we'd have all different things we'd say, but as long as it hit that criteria... I knew he would take care of the guy in front of me. He just did it. I don't think he lost, ever. And if I didn't call for help, there'd be times where I would get in some trouble. I might not win my matchup. So I loved having him. It was great. And then he left. (laughs) Then he left. (laughs) And then my next year, my senior year, I had to actually fight some of those battles on my own. I did not have the ability to just call on him to come and clean house. Okay, It's real good having somebody on your side who can take care of business, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Let's walk through this passage. Before we read, I'm going to pray and ask that the Lord would prepare our hearts to receive from his word today. So would you join me in prayer before we get into the text? Father, I thank you... For your word, I thank you, Lord, that you speak into our hearts, you speak into our lives, and Lord, that you guide us and lead us. And as we worship together right now, all of us sitting around your word, I pray that, Lord, you would be glorified, Lord, you would be elevated, you would receive all the honor that is due to you, and Lord, that you would show us how you want us to respond. So we ask for your blessing upon this time together, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start in verse 12 of Isaiah 40, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and there's actually a heading right before verse 12 that just simply says, the Lord has no equal, okay? Just setting the tone here for what we're about to walk through. Verse 12, the Bible says, who else has held the ocean in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all of Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words He gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to Him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes His tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When He blows on them and they wither, the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? "'Who is my equal?' asks the Holy One. "'Look up to the heavens, who created all the stars. "'He brings them out like an army, one after another, "'calling each by its name. "'Because of His great power and incomparable strength, "'not a single one is missing. "'O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? "'O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights?' Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary, and no one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. All right, let's walk through some of this. That last part is probably one you've heard, often one that gets memorized, but you just look at what we're being set up for before we get to that point. And I want to just kind of walk through that just with a general summary just to say this. Our God is a big deal. And you read stuff like this, and I don't know how many of you start going, well, let me just give him some counsel. When I pray, Lord, I have a list of things that I need you to do. I mean, you approach your prayer life by reading Isaiah 40, and all of a sudden you're going, Lord, I'm not worthy. I don't have it all together. You're so much greater than I am and I'm coming to you not only for help but to basically say whatever you want to do in my life, I want to do it because you're so much greater than I am. Kind of levels the, the playing field in a sense that none of us, doesn't matter, we can compare ourselves all day long but when you try to compare yourself to God, Good night. He has no equal. I'm blown away and struck by verse 15, talking about how the earth is like a grain of sand for him. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have traveled different places and you see something that just, you're in awe and wonderment of something with God's creation here on this earth. Maybe you've been to some mountains and you see this amazing amazing thing that you're just like wow and here in iowa that's you know a rarity to see something like that but then people from a city or people from mountains come here and they're like wow you can see for miles and miles like this is amazing look at the sunset i've never seen a sunset like that before I've never seen so many crops that just go and go and go. And you see God's beauty. Have you ever been to the ocean? And you just look out there and you're like, wow. It's incredible. Have you ever been in an airplane? And you just look out the window and you're like, this is pretty crazy. And I'm just one person in the billions and billions of people that breathe His air. Maybe you've been to the Grand Canyon or different places where you can just see this majestic creation and how massive it really is. And in those moments, you do feel kind of small. And then you get to a verse like this where it says, and the earth is like a grain of sand to the Lord. Have you ever just held a grain of sand in your hand? Sometime when you're swimming at the lake or wherever, just grab some sand, kind of brush it off, and then just look for one little grain and be like, and that's like the earth to the Lord. And somewhere on that grain of sand, I'm there. It's just incredible. He's a big deal. Another thing that strikes me in verse 25, he goes, who are you going to compare me to? Now keep in mind that the nation of Judah is struggling with idols. I don't know if you guys struggle with an idol. That would be anything that replaces God in our heart. Things we give our time, attention, and focus to. But they were struggling with that. And it was even struggling with these Babylonian gods. These people who were oppressing them. And I just find this real interesting how odd we are as humanity that we can be in an oppressed situation and yet in that oppressed situation decide we want to worship the things that would continue to oppress us even more. And our world is littered with that kind of stuff. Things we go to other than God. And he's going, who are you going to compare me to? Think of all of this stuff that we go to to ease our mind, to ease our pain. The securities that we run to. All of those things. And God's going, are you going to compare any of that to me? And then I really appreciate verse 27. Basically, God's telling them, how can you ignore me? How can you go uh, just kind of about your day and your routine without acknowledging who I am? It's like actually your struggles and the things you're crying out for, all these problems that you're walking through, you've now elevated these problems above me. And this is just a thought that hit me this week and it'll be on the screen. But this is for all of us. If you make your problem bigger than your God, then you've really got a problem. He has no equal. Not only is that for the things that we can run to and worship besides Him, but that also goes to any of the circumstances that we walk through. We can go through the worst of things, but guess who's still on His throne? God. We can go through the deepest pain, but guess who's still in control? God. Isn't that comforting? That no matter what I walk through, He's there. And I feel like there's this kind of a shake moment here where the Lord is through Isaiah, trying to shake them and, and wake them up. Hey, okay, I've established how big I am. That's what God's saying. And then there's the, the shake. And this is our, our memory verse for this week. So it'll be on the screen. This is where I feel like it's the shake. Hey, do you not know? Have you not heard? Like, wake up. The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. It's like, hey, let me just get your attention. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm a big deal. I'm bigger than what you're walking through. I need you to come to me, and I can help you with these things. Have you ever had a moment in life where somebody got your attention? And told you what you needed to hear. That's essentially what's going on here. And this is what I think is just so neat with this passage. We just have blown God up and made him huge. And then we have this wake up moment. Will you realize how big he is? And now that I have your attention, now I'm going to give you a truth that should be even more encouraging and comforting. And the truth is this. You and I, we're a big deal to God. Wow. We're a big deal to God. He, he goes in and, and he tells us how he's going to be personal with his children. He says he gives power to the weak. And strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. If you come to Him, He wants to be involved in your life. Isn't that crazy? Why would this massive God ever want anything to do with me? I'm a schmuck. I should have titled the message that. I'm a schmuck, and so are you. <laughs> but yet he wants to be involved in our life. The earth is like a grain of sand to him, but yet he cares about you. He knows every single hair that is or is not on your head. But he's so intimately involved in your life. Do we ever just reflect on that? Or do we just go right to the throne room and we're just like, here's my list. This should affect us. The truth of what God has to say about himself and about us. Isaiah goes on to say that they'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. God, because he's personal and he's actively involved in our lives, he gives us strength for the day. You might walk out these doors and something is on your heart, and you took a moment to just pause and reflect on God, but when you walk out these doors, the weight of that circumstance still just is present with you. God encourages us when we walk through those kinds of things. He's there to help us in those battles. He's incredibly personal. Incredibly personal. If you go just a few more, well, actually one more chapter... In Isaiah 41, there's just some really neat things that he is speaking to Israel, but I think are applicable for us here today. In Isaiah 41, God talks about how we are servants of the Lord, how we are chosen by the Lord, and we're called by the Lord. We're not rejected by the Lord. And so with those truths in mind, let's hear another thing about how personal God is. Because we're servants of the Lord, because we're chosen by the Lord, because we're called by the Lord and we're not rejected by the Lord, guess what? Don't fear. And then he goes on to say, I hold you by your hand. Maybe you've walked through something difficult in life and it was just a blessing to have a human being right there to hold your hand as you went through that. But God has no equal. And he says, I hold you by your hand. It's amazing how personal God is, even though he's just massive and nothing can compare. Do not fear, for I am with you. That's an encouraging word. The scriptures say that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when you come up to the line of scrimmage, That guy that was next to you last season and he's gone? With God, he's there through every season. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he will help you through the struggles and the challenges and the things of life that you face. Even the things you face, just head on. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to win this battle. He is there to help you. He is there with you. I have another illustration, this is kind of a light illustration, but I think there's a depth to it. Okay, I have a God, He's my Father, and I know that He's with me, and so as I go through the journeys of life, to some degree, do you ever feel like you're riding a roller coaster? No? Some of you, yeah, okay. Sometimes you're just, you buckle in, and you have no idea what's coming. And maybe there's a, a, the loop-de-loop. Or you go up that climb and then all of a sudden you, you look down and you go, oh man. But when I talk about how personal God is, it's like He's there riding with us. And so as we go through these things, we go through the journey of life, we know that He's in control and I can make it through. And so to give you a little bit of an example of that, it was just a month or two ago. Brady and Jude and I were at the Mall of America, and my truck did not get towed, so that is not where this is going. (laughs) That's a previous message last year. You can go back and watch that. But we, we took him to Legoland for his birthday, but also this whole Nickelodeon world, and there was this roller coaster that literally went all over the park. And I thought, you know, this might actually be something that Judah would enjoy. And so I'm like, You want to ride this thing? Yeah. And so here's just a little clip. I actually recorded this on my phone when I was next to him. You get to see a little bit of the ride through his eyes. This is Judah and I on a roller coaster. <laughs> With some of that background noise, I'll tell you what he was saying to me uh, while he was next to me. Maybe you heard this part pretty clear. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. And then he begins to say, this is so fast, this is so fast, this is so fast. That ride goes on for about another minute. And he's even like, this is so fast, he switches to this is so bad, this is so bad, this is so bad. (laughs) And before you call me a bad parent or something, you know. We finished the, the ride, and he's just grinned, you know, and I said, what'd you think? Thumbs up, and then he gives the camera a thumbs up. He had fun on the ride. I don't think he'd have ridden that on his own. I don't think he'd have had the same type of joy on him if he'd have been riding that on his own. Okay, when we go through circumstances in life, I'm telling you, even when they're the most difficult, if we have the Lord with us, we still have access to joy. I mean, this passage ends with those who trust in the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Well, one of the ways that we gain strength is the fact that we have joy in the one who's in total control. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. No matter what we walk through, We know we have somebody with us who's a big deal and thinks that we are also a big deal. You and I, the reason why we breathe, the reason why we live, we have our being, it's to glorify God. And that means that every circumstance that I'm in, every trial that I walk through, it all carries a great purpose. It's an opportunity to glorify God. And sometimes the circumstances we walk through can be because of bad decisions we've made. And here's the beauty of how God works as a restorer. He brings grace into the equation And he says, I can actually take that mistake and the struggle and all that and I can actually turn it into something that brings me glory. But I need you to bring it to me. Surrender this to me. Don't keep trying to do things on your own. Recognize how big of a deal that I am and trust me with it. So as I kind of just close this passage Recognizing that we're alive to give God glory, not to, to build our own kingdom, not, not to try to gain glory for ourselves. It's all about Him. You know what that means? Is that it's not about me. It's not about me. I want you to say that with me. Let me just grab that. It's not about me. We... Exist to give God glory. That's why we're here. And I hope that this passage today helps just to put that all into perspective. That God, I want to live my life for you. You know how I know that we're a big deal to God? Is because the Father sent his son Jesus to suffer on this earth that's like a grain of sand. He has no equal, but yet He emptied Himself and gave His very life so that you and I can have a relationship with a God that big. That's how I know that we are a big deal to Him. And so as I close today, just a couple questions. What's the Spirit laying on your heart right now? What are ways in which He would desire you to respond? I think sometimes in life we can just prop things up and make them bigger than God. Maybe we need to just do a little bit of evaluation. We sang that song, Victor's Crown, let every high thing come down. Is there anything in our life that we need to bring to Him and say, I need you to help me? Deal with this. Is there any circumstance you're walking through that feels so overwhelming that it seems bigger than your God? Then I hope today was an encouragement to you that He can help you. He's there to be with you in that. And you can even find joy when you walk through difficult things because who is with you? and who is giving you strength to face those things. My last little note here is just to recognize with so many people that are here right now and people that are listening online, it's possible there's somebody listening that does not yet have a relationship with this God that I've talked about today who loves you deeply. You're a big deal to Him. And even as big as He is, He wants a relationship with you. Even though we're schmucks. The Bible says we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But God can redeem us of that sin when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We come to Him and ask for forgiveness of our sin. But we make Him the Lord and the Savior of our life and say, it's no longer about me. It's all about him. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you for this passage in Isaiah. And Lord, the reality that you have no equal, yet somehow in your greatness, you care a big deal about us. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us You never leave us nor forsake us. We can trust you no matter what we walk through in life. And if there's someone listening right now that, Lord, there's something about the passage we walk through today or something that was said that is causing them to reflect in their own life and say, you know, I want this relationship with God the Father. And to know that Jesus made a way by giving His very life on the cross. And that when He rose from the dead, it proved that His payment for the price of sin truly accomplished. Accomplished for me, accomplished for you. He desires a relationship. If you desire that today, just simply reach out to Him in faith and say, Jesus, I need you. It's not about me anymore, it's all about you. So today I'm asking for the forgiveness of my sin that separates me from you. And today I want to put my faith and trust in you as my Lord and Savior. Give me a new heart heart that desires to walk in obedience to your word desire to serve in your kingdom and to love those around me thank you for this gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith And Lord as we continue in our time of reflection let us consider how great you are recognizing, Lord, that you are above all else and that our lives were created to glorify you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.